deep center field. Back goes Sawinski to the warning track. Back at the wall. It's out of here. Tyler Naquin with a three-run homer. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It is episode 97. It's Thursday, September 8th. The Mets have just squeaked out of Pittsburgh with a series win, and the NL East race is getting real tight today. We're brought to you by Bear Burger. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, aka Jolly Olive. Joining me is Jerry Blevins, rocking the very sweet Apple sweatshirt from our store. Jerry, how you doing today, man? I'm great. I'm wonderful. Uh, this is the hoodie that I chose. First of all, it's super, super comfy, mm. embroidered, uh, so it's got a little bit of fancy to it, and the apple's a little subtle, uh, and it's chilly out here this morning. Like, it was chilly. It's it's fall weather, my favorite. Um, my son at 7.30 this morning when he woke up uh, decided he wanted to go outside, and he set the alarm off because he was the first to walk out the door. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> my wife bought him this new set of chalks, um like sidewalk chalk he's all about drawing in the driveway so he's like first thing in the morning you know does all his morning routine and then heads straight out the door to grab the chalk uh (laughs) so i threw on a little hoodie and it worked out perfect i could see my breath utter like just a little subtly this morning knowing it's fall we have nfl football today oh my god you know we have mets baseball today this is this is the we're in the thick of it man man. and it's hoodie season oh i missed hoodie season so much over in new york it's a smidge below 70 degrees so i was like all right it's a long sleeve day bring it back out why not in the morning in the morning though when you're Mm. out you know when your son wants to be outside at 7 30 there's lots to do you're gonna need some uh some hoodie time. Yeah, my son usually doesn't do that, but I, I can I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Speaking of football season, the the John Boy Media office just had their fantasy football draft. Me and Justin Pennick of Talking Giants and Lucas Diversa of the sales team put together a pretty nice team. We had the third oh. overall pick. Who do you think we took with the third overall pick, if you had to guess? Is it PPR, non-PPR? It's half PPR. Uh, third, you either got McCaffrey... Or Dal- uh, Dalvin. Mm, we went Justin Derek Jefferson. Henry. We went Justin Jefferson. We took a while. I like out. it. I don't mind it there. You, I like did, you, you, went, you bucked tradition there. Yeah. We were a big wide receiver team. That's what we're, ho- we're hoping. Full, full PPR. Out. I'm in all. I'm a huge endorser of that. And, really? But, you know, McCaffrey comes with the. Uh, it, yeah, we don't want to get into it, but he comes with a little bit of injury risk. So I don't, yeah. I don't blame you. I was a little spooked by him. I wasn't willing to take him. Uh, we are going to dive into the roller coaster that the, that was this Mets Pirate series. The season ended and then it kicked back off with a double header. There's lots to get into. It is presented to you guys by Bear Burger. We love Bear Burger. You know that by now. They're sticking with us throughout this ensuing playoff run they're a burger joint but they're not bogged down by labels a menu filled with options for everyone regardless of your preferences and now you can create your own favorite burger they take burgers very seriously at bear burger it's literally in their name it makes sense and their menus got options for all build your own creation and let us know john boy sent you and then tweet it to at bear burger on twitter for a chance to win a bear burger gift card it's going to go a long way they got specials for you all day long the lunch special is 12 to 4 p.m monday through friday find a location near you there probably is one regardless of where you are they got the 
the Kitchen and Bar Happy Hour. It's hands down the best in New York City. A dollar for a PBR, five dollars for a mule or a martini, half off for bottles of wine. Anything you want to drink, they got at their bar. Available seven full hours every Monday through Friday from noon to 7 p.m. Go whenever time you want, though. If you just have a hankering for a burger, that's the place to be. Click the link in our description to find yourself at the best happy hour, tastiest burger joint, and overall great spot at order.bearburger.com. Thank you to them once again. And Jerry, are you ready to get into it all? I am ready. Let's do it, Let's baby. do this. Hit that funky music, Jerry. All right. The Mets rolled up to one of the most beautiful ballparks in the nation. They got rained out on the first day. So the game started on game two. And the Mets were hoping to snap a skid after losing two in a row to the Nationals. But things kicked off pretty similarly to how they've been. The Mets strand six runners in the first three innings alone. Alonzo with a pair of crushing double plays. McCann flies out with two runners on to end the second inning. And the Bucks grab an early lead off Taiwan Walker with a Michael Chavis sacrifice fly. And it gets worse before it gets better. Rodolfo Castro, remember him from last year at Citi Field? Well, he's homering against us again. A two-run homer off the foul pole. 3-0 Bucks. Four of Castro's 11 career home runs are against the Mets because, of course, they are. And then Starling Marte got hit by a pitch in the first inning, and then he exits in the fourth after he was unable to grip the baseball. We're still waiting on the good news from him. He's considered day-to-day right now, but an IL stint is possible. And Tywin Walker just did not have his sharpest stuff. Five innings and four earned runs for him. That ERA on the season goes up to 3.6. He has a 6.25 mark in the second half, so a similar story to last year. Hopefully he can straighten it out in September. Mitch Keller, on the other hand, looked great. That curveball had some real zip. He shuts down the Mets for six innings in this game. Michael Givens, though, has another scoreless inning, so good for him. And with two outs in the seventh, the Mets get a McCann single. We're going to talk a lot about James McCann today, I think. And then Brandon Nimmo crushes a two-run homer to right center to make it a 4-2 ball game. But the Mets were out of this one in the ninth inning. Montez de Oca, he comes in for the second inning, and he kind of lets things get out of hand. Gets two strikeouts, but surrenders runs on a wild pitch and an RBI single. Tommy Hunter, our guy from last episode, came in and led up an absolute missile to the Cruz missile, O'Neill Cruz. A two-run homer is 8-2 to two bucks at this point, and the Mets go quietly. McCann gets two hits, but Alonzo goes 0-4 with two double plays and four left on base. The Mets go 0-6 with runners in scoring position. They lose 8-2, to two, and in the middle of September, their season officially ends. It was a good run. Yeah, I'll tell you what, a couple things. Tywon Walker does not look great. Uh, number two, O'Neal Cruz has some sick pop. Oh my God, dude. He obliterates baseball so easily. What a fun, like person to watch play baseball. Uh, you know, I love a left-handed hitter, a giant shortstop at six foot six. He's like full of energy. Uh, very cool. Jerry, did they ever uh, let you play shortstop? Because this one felt horrible. Yeah. This one felt really bad. Um, did they ever let you play shortstop by the way? Uh, I did in high school one uh, for like one game because our we we had nobody else. Because you could have been an O'Neill Cruz type, you know. You got the height, you got the power. <laughs> He's got it. me a little bit. He's I like guess, a yeah. you know probably a seventy on the power. It's maybe close. Sixty-five on raw power. I think I'm more close. on the other end. I'm like a twenty-five. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Any what thoughts from twenty eighty scale, by the way? But well, well that's that's for a weird. different date. I register at a zero on the 2080 scale, actually. <laughs> you, you fall under. <laughs> I'm an anomaly. That's all it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Any other, anything else from game one? Again, there's not much yeah, to say. This one felt, this like we said it, this felt horrible. This felt really bad. Um, Mets Twitter 
as a whole was, you know, not great. Not great. Yeah. Then the rain out was like, at least we get to wallow in this for another day. But, uh, but. it just didn't wake them up. I really thought that the rain out would kind of give them a day to like soak in it, really consider what happened against Washington. And then they came out and they just looked flat. A lot of defensive miscues again. Uh, didn't come through in big spots like they usually have. Um, and that led us to the double header where Buck actually did something I really liked. He shifted up the lineup a little bit, which is something you Buck sure doesn't do did. a lot. That is game two. Let's hear it. Game two is Chris Bassett, our fearless leader, as he tries to rescue all of Mets fandom from the precipice of a dark abyss as they plunge into the darkness. Wow. Does he pull us back? Wait and find out. That's, that new lineup that you spoke of jumped on the board right away in the first inning as uh, Jeff McNeil drives in from the cleanup spot on a sack fly. That was Pete Alonso's double batting in the two hole. Two hole Peter Alonso, kind of like it, not so bad stuff. Uh, but they put up one in the first. Bassett, our leader here, uh, throws up a bunch of zeros. That leads us into the fourth inning. We got a Vogelback single, a Mark Canna hit by pitch because that's what Mark Canna does. Then Tyler Naquin, you might have heard a little sneak preview on the intro of our podcast. Uh, he hits a three-run home run. That puts the Mets up 4 nothing. That was a beautiful shot, much needed. It had been a long time since he has had an extra base hit. Guess what? Right after that, Eduardo Escobar decides to go back-to-back from the left side. That makes it 5 nothing, and that would be all you need for Chris Bassett as he was masterful. Got into a little bit of trouble in the sixth. Led us in and out of trouble with only one run. He ends up going seven. Gives up five hits. That one earned run in the sixth inning. A walk and ten punch outs. Uh, Seth Lugo comes in and throws the last two innings looking really solid. Gave up a couple of hits but was dominant with his stuff. And Chris Bassett is our savior. He does pull us back. We feel good. We get that first very important win that makes us capable of taking a series against the lowly pirates. Thank you, Chris Bassett for being our leader. He gets the W. Love it. Chris Bassett looked really good. That curveball looked amazing. He was toying with pirates hitters the whole game. Looked really confident out there. Uh, you know, I, I always think back to that Padres outing in June where you know, it looked like Bassett was a little bit lost. He said in his postgame presser, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going wrong. And it's just a complete 180 from that moment. Bassett looks like he could take on game one of the playoff series, and I'd feel very comfortable with him there. Uh, Mets bats wake up. Tyler Naquin, we talked about it last episode, how he kind of had good numbers against every Pirates pitcher that was lined up, and he gets into these games because of Barnte leaving early, takes full advantage of that spot. Uh, he had good numbers in the series. Also, even on his outs, a lot of deep flyouts to the warning track as well. Looked like he was really seeing the ball well. And Eduardo Escobar stays hot. Like, we're getting April Eddie back a little bit. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, what do you think of uh, Alonso being protected by Lindor? He moved up to the two-spot. McNeil went from basically the 6th, 7th, or 8th all the way into a cleanup. Yeah. How do you like it? 
I I get why McNeil was the choice to put into the four hole. I don't know if that's the if it was the best spot for him. Obviously, you know, he got a couple big hits here and there. Uh, but Alonzo and the two looked much more comfortable. It looked like the pressure kind of fell off his shoulders a little bit. And that first at bat, he took two fastballs that are kind of in his wheelhouse, but were below the zone. He took them both, and then he got a fastball inside, which is kind of a pitch he's been struggling with recently. And he just turned on it beautifully, ripped it down the line. It was a great at bat. He got two hits that day. So I think the change was a good fix for him. I don't think it's going to be permanent either. I think this was just kind of something to jumpstart him and get him back into his uh, his groove a little bit. Um, because if Alonzo's not batting fourth, I don't know who is, because I don't think it's going to be Vogie. He's been cold. I think McNeil, we like him much more in that six through eight where he takes great at-bats and really lengthens the lineup. Uh, but it worked for this game, and that's all that matters. The Mets needed to win. I agree. It was a, it was a good win. They got up early actually punched in a run with runners in scoring position. It's, they did something that they, they've done all season, basically, and score in the first, score early. Um, it's been a while, but it was nice to see them do that and then get a, a big number. That's like what you need. Number. That's what these teams – that's what the, the, the separator is from the bottom of the barrel teams in the league and then the top is they're able to stop the bleeding. But – you know, the big three-run home run and then getting that fourth one with Escobar, seeing Escobar hit another one from the left side. Very promising, man. Yeah. And he's, his post-game interview, him and Alan, the the translator, it's it's great. He's smiling. He's He's got big smiles. I think he spoke some Japanese as well. Crazy. <laughs> he's mixing it up. <laughs> Trilingual. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Seth Lugo came in at the end, uh, basically ensured that we had the DeGrom out of, you know, Diaz combo from the nightcap. Uh, with two great innings, he has a 1.4 ERA in the second half. He's been special. Uh, so the Mets take the first game of the doubleheader. They ensure another split, which is what they've done for the past two and a half years in doubleheaders. And they go into the nightcap looking very favorable with Jacob DeGrom on the hill. Uh, DeGrom actually got off to kind of a weird, rocky start where he allowed a couple blue pits uh, to Cruz and the two-hitter whose name I'm forgetting, so I'm just going to move on. Uh, but he gets a double play right after that to end the first inning, and that would be the closest the Pirates came to getting to him all night long. Uh, but meanwhile, in the second inning, the Mets roar for a much-needed four-run rally. They loaded the bases thanks to some walks and another Escobar hit. Nimmo draws a walk to score the first run, and Johan Oviedo throws one away to let Escobar score. He gets a great read on it, and then a long walks and Lindor who goes down 0-2 kind of just taps the fastball out of the zone down the right field line we haven't seen him do that in a while which was nice uh, that brings him two runs and it's 4-0 Mets later on the fourth James McCann gets another hit we're just saying that September might be his month. Who knows? Alonzo singles as well in the two-hole again. One run scores on another Lindor double. He really drove that one to center field, which is a nice sign. Uh, and McNeil singles home two runs to make it 7 nothing Mets in the fourth inning. This one was over before it began as Jacob DeGrom just dominated the Pirates. They did not stand a chance. Seven shutout innings for DeGrom. Three hits, one walk, and eight punchies. He lowers his ERA to 1.66. I don't know if you heard Keith's reaction on the air when the carry read that number, but it was hysterical. Uh, we'll take that to the bank. DeGrom didn't allow another hit from the first inning to the sixth inning, which is crazy. Uh, Canna and Naquin later on smack back-to-back doubles in the seventh to pour it on. Escobar gets his third hit the night. He get a fourth one later for another RBI. 
9-0 Mets. The only guy to not get in on the party was Jan Vogelback, but finally in the ninth he gets his first of the day, an RBI single. He goes 1-6. for six. The Mets go up 10-0. I just wanted to throw this in here. Uh, Terrence Gore got in that bat. I'm very happy for him. It's rare that you get to see him taking that bat. He's a pinch runner kind of guy. He gets the at-bat in the ninth. He does strike out, but it was nice to see. Uh, and then Adovino and Alex Claudia, who came up with the club to be the extra man, they combined for two scoreless innings to seal a dominant Mets win. The Mets refreshingly go 8-for-18 with runners in scoring position. Escobar gets four hits. The Mets get 17 hits total thanks to multi-hit games from Alonzo, Lindor, McNeil, Canna, Naquin, and Escobar, as I mentioned before. And Pirates hitters 4-9 through nine go 0-for-22 with eight strikeouts against Mets pitching. This was the exact dominant poured on win that the Mets needed I think to get their mojo back they get a day off today uh, but they got to be riding high after that good one yeah put up a double digit runs that was nice that's what they needed it was made for a long day on a double header uh it's in a long flight to Miami but I guarantee you they were having a, a lot more smiles on the flight than they they would have you know that was a good way to have a long day is to get everybody kind of going so yeah, everyone, team win, everyone contributes. That's exactly what this lineup needed. Yeah, plus DeGrom. You know, he he didn't have his best stuff, but he found a way. He figured it out. He started mixing up his pitches a little bit more. Um, that was nice to see that he's comfortable in being uncomfortable. Yeah. Saw, yeah. saw a few more change-ups, which I know we talked about recently. Uh, not, I don't think he struck out anybody with that pitch, but still mixing it up more. Um, and he really got into a rhythm after kind of a, a weirdly shaky first inning where he had kind of had to compose himself a little bit. And uh, Edwin Diaz doesn't get into this game, too. Edwin Diaz hasn't pitched in what will now be eight days with them being off today, which is a little bit, I don't know how to Not feel about ideal. it. Not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah. But, again, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I thought he was going to throw the ninth for sure. Uh, I was shocked to see that he didn't, but you know, whatever the case may be, they got, uh, the new lefty Alex Claudio in the game. It's always good to see. We got another lefty. Yeah. So another they were like, Hey, we're going to use him. Yeah. I was a little perplexed by it. I, I thought the plan was just going to be to Grom Otto Diaz to get everybody an inning of work. Cause I think Otto hadn't thrown in five days. Uh, so he definitely needed it as well. Um, but I, you know what, if Diaz gets extra rest and you can use him more in the postseason, so be it. Because uh, he is the most used guy in that pen, but I think you know, don't let's not dwell on that. Let's focus on the lineup actually coming back to life when the Mets needed them to most. Uh, I believe everyone got a hit except for Brandon Nimmo, but he had a good series all around. Uh, Dan Vogelback, I know it was a completely inconsequential tenth run to pour it on, but he needed that hit big time. Uh, that last RBI single in the ninth, he was the only guy that hadn't really joined the party, so I was happy for him. Uh, and then Alonzo looked great again in the two hole. And Lindor gets four RBIs. This was just exactly what the doctor ordered for the Metropolitans. I agree. It was a good one. A really good one. It it sealed up the series for the Mets, which was huge. Uh, They got a little bit of momentum going after just felt like, you know, the world was ending. The season was ending. This one felt real to me as far as not the season ending, but it was definitely a downturn in, in their play. Yeah. Um. I thought they played really well. Um, errorless baseball, which is nice. Yeah, it was so, a good a good day for the New York Mets. So, and it was one of those days where they could actually control their fate too, because by taking both games of the doubleheader, they ensure they keep the NL East lead for now. Um, and the apple of our eye is incredibly difficult because 
for once we have an outpouring of offense, a bunch of great performances by our position players and two great starts. It's tough. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where you're going to go. Uh, I think I know, um, but I'll let you go first and then I'll play off of you. Well, before I tell you that, I got to tell you who's bringing it to us today and it is a new oh, sponsor. Who's bringing it to us? Yeah, I think it's oh, one right. that our Mets hitters were using because they improved so much in this series. It is Win Reality bringing us today's apple of our eye. Thank you to them for sponsoring us. They have a pitcher library consisting of 600 plus pitchers from 8U to Pro for any hitter to step into the box against and get an active, realistic simulation from the release to the spin to the speed. Hitters get a chance to study every pitch, then hit it in the real game. They give players all levels of a variety of workouts that are focused on pitch recognition, timing, and decision making. I use this for my blitz ball skills and now I'm much, much better. You guys will just have to wait and see and take my word for it. Hitters love it. Coaches rave about it. Parents love what it has done for the players' enjoyment of baseball. Here's one of their facts. Players who train with win reality report 43% more confidence at the plate and they acquire skills seven times faster than traditional training methods. I don't know how they measure that, but they said it, so it's got to be true. (laughs) I was going to ask, but, you know, thank you for sponsoring. (laughs) It's got to be true. Uh, Head to winreality.com slash Shay to sign up today at a discounted rate. And uh, thank you to them for sponsoring today's Apple of Our Eye. Jerry, do you want to go first, or should I take it away? You take it. Okay. A lot of good choices here. I'm going to give it to one that may be considered surprising. I'm not going to give it to our pitchers, but they combined for 14 innings and one earned run, 18 Ks for Bassett and DeGrom. So they did great in their own right. I'm going to give mine to Tyler Naquin. We'll have a pause. Jerry, yeah, that's, oh, that's, that was an upset. That, okay, That's you, the reaction you, I was okay. expecting. Now I've got a choice. Yeah. Why are you giving it to Mr. Naquin? Well, Naquin had one of the roughest stretches of any Mets hitter in this lineup, lost a bunch of playing time. He had entered the Pittsburgh series two for his last 30 with 17 strikeouts uh, and kind of had lost the faith of the Mets brass, wasn't getting a lot of starts. And Marte goes down in the first game with that hit-by-pitch. We don't know what the situation is quite yet. Um, so Naquin kind of had to step up and was forced into at-bats, uh, and he could have continued that skid. Instead, he goes 5-for-11 with two runs, a double, a homer, four RBI, and a hit-by-pitch. I think those numbers could have been even better with the at-bats he was taking and the way he was driving the ball. I think this was a big confidence booster for him. We haven't seen a lot of production from Vogelback and Ruff, and we need one of these guys to step up because I think Pete has suffered without great protection behind him, and he's having his own struggles. But having a DH there or having that fourth outfielder produce the way we need them to and just lengthening the lineup uh, even more than it already has, Tyler Naquin came up big in this series. This was a team that he's traditionally hit really well against, a park that he hit well in, and I'm glad that he actually got to see regular at-bats in this series, and he made Pirates pitchers pay. Um, So, you know, I I thought I'm not going to get a ton of opportunities to give my apple to Tyler Naquin, and uh, he came up with some huge hits, including that three-run homer that kind of kick-started the entire thing for the Mets in the first game of the doubleheader. So he is the apple of my eye. I like it. So I'm I'm at a loss here. Okay. I'm not sure where I'm going to go, but I'm going to I'm going to talk them. I'm going to talk through both of them and then I'll decide at the end. Cool. Number 1 is Eduardo Escobar. He was 7 for 12 with two runs scored, two RBI, a walk. He had the big home run. Um that was you know Really nice to see him. Seven for 12 is no joke of a no series. Joke. He's got a six-game hitting streak where he's 10 for 19 with four walks, 
three home run and six RBI in his last six games. That is putting it together. And it's in at such a timely point of the season where we need him, you know, we need Escobar to kind of bounce back and you can see what it's done for our lineup. Yeah. It, it just creates another threat. I can't, I can't stress enough how much his return to form would benefit this Mets lineup as a whole um, switch hitter power. We don't have a lot of power on our team. That would be nice. Uh, so that, and I'm going between him and uh, Chris Bassett. Mm. Chris Bassett in a time of desperate need goes seven, gives up one run on 10 punch outs and one walk. He really only had one little hiccup uh, and that was one inning. I uh, scattered five hits, but you know, I think three of them were in that one inning. Yep. He only gave up one in a time where the Mets needed him to do that. He did that because we had that three game skid we had uh, uh, Taiwan that was, we were hoping to do it and he got, you know, he got beat up early. And so it could have been like this, Yeah. but instead Bassett shuts the door and he does it with authority and I appreciate it. So I'm not sure where to go. I kind of put you in a pickle here. I didn't even, realize. I know, I know. I thought you were for sure going Escobar, but I mm. do like the Naquin. Um, I'm going to go Escobar. Okay. I'm going to go Escobar as the apple of my eye. Mainly because I love Bassett. I'm a big Seabass fan. Uh, it was huge, huge, huge outing. Um, but I just, I want this to catch fire for Escobar. And as little as this apple is, I hope this tiny apple grows into a giant <laughs> apple that we, you know, he just takes over and has this regression back to the norm and just has a bunch of homers yeah um seven for 12 is no you know no small feat um it's very nice so i hope this is a a bright future for him as a met yeah i mean even if he just rounds out this last month it's going to mean so much to this mets lineup having him at the bottom there uh sneaky six game hit streak where he's 10 for 19 he draw he drew four walks which is it's small. It's small on the scale, but that's big because I tell you what that he wouldn't be at the bottom of the lineup yeah. if he gets if he starts to hit. Buck will put him right back into protecting Alonso. Yep. Alonso, if he stays in the two spot, would be fine. Uh, Lindor is the three spot. Shout out to Lindor for just yeah. being that steady pulse of the New York Mets. Um, but if he can slide into that the four spot, that'll bump McNeil down, or you know whatever the case may be. This guy's a this guy's a game changer for the Mets. Yeah, he just gives the Mets options, and like it's a really good problem to have because Guillaume's return is on the horizon as well. So you're going to get even more options on top of that. The biggest thing is that Escobar's hitting from the left side of the plate now, and that's just been gone the entire. Even when he was good in April, that kind of wasn't really a factor, and uh, he had a couple huge hits from the left side, which is really nice to see. Yeah, you sandwich Lindor. Uh, you you basically sandwich Pete Alonso with two switch hitters. Yeah. Uh, that's, you can't, you can't prepare for it. You got to bring in a righty. And if they're both crushing from the left side, that's huge. Cause P Alonso can take his walks, take his hits the other way, and then let the guys in front of him and behind him drive him in. So, well, speaking of Lindor, he has another great series after kind of a slow one against Washington, three for 11, two doubles, a run, three RBI and a walk. He's up to two 89, doubles. four doubles. No, no. I meant he just hit another couple oh, more doubles. I was like, a what? 
Hang on. What? Did, did my math him? wrong? No, he had two doubles. You're right. Uh, he's up to 89 ribeye steaks. That's the second highest total of his career, right behind 2018. He's getting close there. Um, one guy we got to talk about is a guy that recently got his batting average above the Mendoza line for the first time this year. I'm very happy to be talking positively about James McCann. Three for six. Three runs and three walks in this series. Some really good at-bats from McCann, who is in this hottest streak of the year. I think he's batting 500 in September. And uh, listen, I don't think we were ever factoring in a great McCann performance into the ensuing run for this Mets playoff team. But if he comes through, then there's no hole in this lineup. And then you're really talking about one of the most potent offenses here. If he can really get it going. Uh, and I think just it's it's good for McCann as a human being, too, because he's one of the, I feel like, one of the most beloved guys in the clubhouse. He sort of has that leader aspect to him. And if he can really produce as well as call some great games, that's going to be huge for the Mets. I agree. I agree. It was nice to see him, but I, I'm going to hold off on praise. I know. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. For a little. Hey, I, again, I'm a positive <laughs> guy, too. Uh, I like McCann. I, I enjoyed our interactions uh, in spring training a couple years ago. One year ago, I guess it yeah. felt like could have been five. God, that's but weird. uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm rooting for him. But again, this is the apple we're talking about. Oh yeah, you I know. know you can't just give the apple to anybody. They really yeah. I was gonna it. say so. This is a big deal. Yeah. I, I'm not ready to to get him into that. But maybe he'll get there soon. Who knows? Uh, Mark Canna does it all again. Three for eleven, two doubles, three runs, walk, and a hit by pitch because it is Mark Canna, of course. I think he's up to. 18 on the season now, which is insane. Uh, and then Jacob deGrom, as always. Seven shout-out innings. Eight, eight punchies there. Uh, they That was the perfect combination for that doubleheader to get that sweet Bassett and deGrom. Um, the Mets get their 18th shout-out of the season that leads MLB. Uh, they've swept five doubleheaders in the same season for the first time since 1969. And I don't remember what happened that year, but it seems... Uh, it's like a miracle or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem that important. It's so <laughs> long ago. Who cares at this point? Uh, and the Mets are getting uh, some more reinforcements. We say that every episode as we continue to wait for Tyler McGill, who got bumped up to AAA Syracuse. So he's inching his way back. Joey Lucchese just got bumped up to A. Didn't have a great outing in his first go, but he's still getting stretched out. And Max Scherzer, who we thought was maybe going to make his next start, instead decides to head to the IL, calling his injury left side irritation. Jerry, can you enlighten me on Scherzer's decision here? Give some wisdom to Mets fans who might be worried. Yeah, and uh, the worry is uh, legit because, you know, when Scherzer said that he was probably going to make his next start, I found that to be super telling because normally you would leave that kind of open-ended and ambiguous. Right. So the fact, excuse me. <clears throat> so the fact that he actually said, you know, I, I plan on making my next start and then didn't that compounded like the feeling that the Mets were on the precipice of falling into the abyss was because that kind of blindsided us. So yeah. I was a little bit shocked to see that he went on the IL. I thought it was obviously precautionary. There's no oblique injury. It's irritation and fatigue and it's they're extra cautious. This is a abundance of caution. I think it's the smart move. I wish they would have not said that he was going to make his next start yeah. because then it would have been like, yeah, sure. Throw him on the IL. It's fine. That's what you should do. But they gave us a glimmer of hope. So I really don't think it's anything more than what everybody thought it was. You know, once he said fatigue. Yeah. So 
Uh, I expect him to be coming off right off the uh, IL when he's capable of doing so. Um, but again, it's it's a little bit little scary because you're running out of time on the calendar to to do you know to get back to form. Yeah, so he's probably going to be slated to miss two starts because I think he's got 11 more days to hit that 15 day mark. Uh, but it does mean. Another chance for David Peterson to hang around in this rotation and really try and get himself in that playoff spot. And, I mean, we saw some real shaky outings from Taiwan Walker. Cookie's still ramping up, but he didn't look great against the Nationals. I think it's going to be kind of a dogfight to get that Game 4 spot. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think Bassett talked about in his postgame last night or yesterday. Yeah, last night. Uh asked about Scherzer and he says, you know, Peterson has earned his spot here and throughout a season because of how baseball is, you're going to get those opportunities. So he's like, I've been so impressed with Peterson. And so have I, I honestly can't speak highly enough on his makeup of what I've seen from him from an intangible standpoint, the ability was there. And I, I think he's eclipsed that with what I've seen, but mostly with his, approach to the game and how he's handled his role uh i've been so impressed so i'd love to see him you know have a great outing just kind of something to reward such great work and mental work and team first approach um so yeah i think he's he's still in the conversation um for that fourth rotation spot so yeah and uh, this is going to be a big series coming up in Miami because we did mention DeGrom and Bassett took the double header. That means the other three heads of the Mets rotation are going to be taken over in Miami, including David Peterson, Carrasco, and Walker. Um, but we will, for once, thank God, dodge Sandy Alcantara, who is pitching tonight against the Phillies. We're not going to face him in Miami. I think it might be the first Mets Marlin series this year where we don't have to face Sandy, which is such a, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty wild because, uh, I love watching a pitch, but apparently not against the Braves. Yeah. Didn't matter. I got that text from you. I couldn't believe I was irate. You know, I'm not going to fault him. I was like, how mad are you at Sandy Alcantara right now? I just need a team to take one game against them. What if he hates the Mets so much that he did on purpose? Do you really think he's more of a Braves fan than a Mets fan? Come on. Willing to sabotage (laughs) his Cy Young candidacy. (laughs) Just to ensure we don't get the division. Unbelievable. You ready for the Let's look at looking ahead to this three-game series against those Miami Marlins that we talked about Game one, David Peterson filling in for injured Max Scherzer, injured or fatigued. You be the you be the decider. Uh, Peterson seven and three with a three three two ERA. He'll be facing off against Edward Cabrera, who is four and two with a two three nine. He is electric, by the way. Yeah, absolutely fun to watch. Max effort, a lot of funk, uh, really good stuff. Of course, he's a pitcher, uh, young one for Miami who has electric stuff. Uh, The Mets will avoid Sandy, who you talked about. Uh, Cabrera has 23 scoreless inning streaks snapped by the Dodgers in his final August start. Um, He went five innings with just a solo home run and a no decision versus Atlanta. He was the only one that they didn't hit. Um, And Peterson versus Miami this year, 12 and a third innings, two earned runs on 10 hits, two walks, 15 punches, and a solo home run. That is game one. Game number two, Cookie Carrasco looking for a big bounce back. He's 13 and six with a 391 ERA. He'll go up against 
Pablo Lopez, who's had an up and down season, mostly up though. He's eight and nine with a three six six ERA. Carrasco returned from the IL last start, but was chased in the third after accumulating a bunch of pitches. Um, Lopez's last two start versus the Dodgers and the Braves. He went 10, allowed four runs on 10 hits, 13 punches, and four walks. Uh, his ERA of nine and three starts versus New York this year is pretty impressive if you like those things. Uh, Carrasco versus Miami is on the other side of that. He's 3-0 and with 19 and two-thirds innings and only five earned runs, scattering 19 hits and 19 punch-outs. That is game number two. Game number three, Taiwan Walker looking for a bounce back. His last three starts against the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Pirates. He's gone 15 and a third, giving up nine earned runs, 11 Ks, and alarmingly high seven walks. He's going against Jesus, Jesus Luzardo, who came over in the A's trade. He's three and six with a 3-3-6 ERA. He's had a tale of two seasons. He started off really rocky, went on the IL for a long stretch, uh, the lefty power arm has really looked good over his last four starts, 26 and a third innings pitch, a 2.73 ERA, 24 strikeouts to eight walks. That's Lazardo. Uh, his career versus the Mets, not quite as nice as that last four starts line. He's 10 and two thirds with five earned runs, uh, six hits, seven walks and 13 Ks. That is your game three. That is the three game set in Miami. Very nice as always. Just want to say that the Marlins should be worried because the Mets are 2-0 in the Bob era with our guy Steve Gelbs, our new friend Bob, who was swarming Steve after he caught the foul ball uh, in Game 2. I just had to give Bob a shout-out. And Steve, you know, best on field reporter in the game. Bob's been a a Mets fan since 1962. Good year to start. Since the beginning, Bob is. From the jump, he's been a Metropolitans fan. We're going to get Bob on the show. I think that's the logical I'm next sure step. He, uh, he would be willing. Yeah, he's got a webcam, right? Come on, Bob. I'm send you out on assignment to go interview him <laughs> one-on-one. Go find Bob. Where do you say? You and Jack, the two Jacks on the road. <laughs> road trip to get Bob on screen. Yeah, <laughs> two Jacks that's... chasing Bob. What? I know, right? That's kind of a, it's like a movie script. I feel like it's perfect. I love right? that. I mean, that's, that's again, this is what the SNY crew have been doing yeah. all year. Um, they've been doing special things, but this is another one of those snapshots of, just fun because Gelbs was great with him. Uh, the booth back and forth, uh, the the genuine personality showing with the laughs and stuff. Uh, another great SNY, you know, little piece. Who, uh, who who did you enjoy more, the Bob from Game Two or the Cup Snake guy from Wrigley Field? Do you remember that? That was yeah, great. I like the Cup Snake guy. Basically, that the was, eighth inning. That was my favorite. That's so good. Yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's that's uh, that's Emmy award winning. Yeah, I've never been part of the Cup Snake. It actually it looks pretty hard. Honestly, it looks like it was getting heavy over there a little bit. Yeah, well, beer. Steve said it was getting heavy. Yeah, I mean, he Steve needs to toned? do some more rotator yeah, cuff work, say. some shoulders. Yeah. Got to coach him a little bit. Yeah, the Mets are playing the Marlins. They're ten and four against them this year. Meanwhile, the Braves go to Seattle and they play the Mariners, who have won eight of their last ten. I'm just begging for a team to take one game against the Braves. Just take one. Even if you lose a series, one win would help us a ton. Uh, it's going to be a great race. The Braves got into a tie with us. Now we got that half game up. They're both off today, so the Mets fans can actually breathe a little bit and just take a sigh of relief before getting back into the hunt. And a big series for the latter half of the rotation for sure as we await Scherzer to come back. And I think... I think that's everything, Jerry. What do you Yeah, got? that's the big three candidates, yeah. you know, vying for their spot in the postseason life 
of the New York Mets rotation. It's um, audition season. It's big time. I, I think Peterson finds a role no matter what. I think he'll be either in the bullpen or in the rotation. I'm not sure Cookie or Taiwan, you know, can come out of the bullpen and be effective. I uh, maybe Cookie. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely think this is this is the battle again. This isn't it, but this is you know what have you done for me lately? Yeah, kind of thing when it comes down to the playoffs. The Braves are finally playing like you know a really good team. The Mariners are hot in the in the streets themselves. Uh, and I, I wonder, does Pauly Seawald hate the Mets so much that he'll sabotage <laughs> his own season to spite the Mets? We'll see, see that's that. more plausible than Sandy, I think. That makes I a agree. lot of sense. I agree. This wow. one, this one, feel, will he be like if, from, if, from Seattle? Will he do this from <laughs> Seattle? If he gives up a run, I'm we're blaming you because you put that in everyone's minds. <laughs> well, it's crazy. not my fault. I, you know what? You spoke it into existence. Now it's a thing. It's got to be true. There's no way I can unsee it now. Oh God, that's yeah. pretty good. The yeah. last thing I want to do is is uh, anything. They don't, the Braves' offense doesn't need me to fire them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean the A's gave them a run for their money in that one ten to nine game. I couldn't believe plus uh, the home they, runs they, they kind of jumped on Strider a little yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, not really, but they they made him throw a bunch of pitches in the first. I thought they were going to chase him early. Uh, didn't work out that way, but the A's got some fight in them. They're sneaky. Maybe they can make a run at the end. A little playoff run. Who knows? Elephants aren't that fast, but yeah. uh, they put together some fight. <laughs> I also think they're already eliminated, which they got eliminated. Damn, Jack just told me. Yeah. Official? Oh, <laughs> boy. That's early. They're already out. Sorry, Ace fans. There is some overlap here. I think there definitely is. We're, we're partisan. So are the uh, Nationals eliminated I think as well? they're out, too. Yeah, I think there's like three teams that are out. Are the Rockies out? No? Uh -huh. I don't know. Anyway, the Mets aren't out, so you can look forward to that. That's true. All right, man. You got anything else? That's it. All right. For Jolly <laughs> and Jack, I'm Jerry. And for Bob as well. And for Bob. Don't forget Let's about Bob. Let's go Mets. Jack, do the noise. <laughs> I can't hear you over the music, so I don't know if you asked me a question. <laughs> You're good.